Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, you frustrated by your current theme? Does it have an inflexible design? You feel like you're, you're butting up against the limitations of that theme? Does it feel slow? Turbo theme out of the sandbox is the solution to these woes. Turbo is a premium, fully loaded online store 2.0 Shopify theme with a focus on visual storytelling. You don't want to lose potential customers to a poor user experience. That's the worst nightmare. We don't want that. Turbo theme will supercharge your online store with speed, flexibility, and advanced features. Turbo promises fast load times, flexible design, shoppable images, age gate functionality, and regular recurring premium updates. If you upgrade to Turbo Theme, you can watch your store's performance skyrocket. And Out of the Sandbox is trusted by high volume Shopify merchants and renowned for their excellent customer service. Out of the Sandbox stands behind their product with a 14 day satisfaction guarantee. So if you're not in love with Turbo, they're going to refund it. The choice is clear. Upgrade your store with Out of the Sandbox and Turbo today. Don't miss out on that opportunity to elevate your Shopify store's performance. Invest in Turbo. Don't let slow site speed hold your business back any longer. Go to outofthesandbox.com to see the demo, learn more, and license Turbo Theme for your store today. That's outofthesandbox.com. Welcome back, my friends. You are listening to the unofficial Shopify podcast, your go-to source for e-com recon on Shopify. Check nasty. Oh, that was in the wrong spot. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Check nasty. And today we have a special guest, a former professional tennis player, but more importantly, the founder of a company called Concha, Concha Bags. Get ready to be inspired as we dive into the journey of Jack Oswald and how he's reshaping the world of sports and travel bags. All right. Jack, welcome. How are you doing? Amazing. Really amazing. Thanks for having me. I've been a long-time listener, so really great to be part of the conversation today. So did, did you listen before you started a store? Like, what was the thing that made you start listening? Which came first, the podcast or your store? Oh, good question. I think they around about the same time, honestly. Um, I'd like to say my story came first, but I think, honestly, as I was starting to delve into entrepreneurship while I was still playing, um, I was you know really interested in hearing about other people's stories. And uh, I listened to another podcast called How I Built This. Have you know it? Um, and that, oh, yeah, that's like huge one. Honestly, between that one and, and the unofficial Shopify podcast, I was just going back and forth between both of them. I was just finding it so incredibly um, exhilarating and just so much information in terms of, you know, getting started. And um, yeah, from so it's been several years now. I've really enjoyed every every episode. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, did you leave a review? I have. I have indeed oh, left good. a review. Yeah, Thank you. Uh, it's, it's probably uh, it's on, under a pile of reviews probably now, but I did leave a review. No, I, I appreciate it. No, they're, they're, that's like you live and die by those, but they're they're hard to get. I mean, think about how often you'll leave a review for anything. And for podcasts, it's even lower. And then it's like fractured across different places. I should not do shtick about podcast reviews right now. Uh, all right. So you sell bags. Bags are a really, it's a popular category. Like I think on Shopify, apparel and fashion, huge. And then you dive within that bags, you know, whether they're purpose-based, you know, gendered, like a purse um, or just a backpack. Bags are a popular category. I can think of three clients who sell bags and are very successful at it. You know, K&KG, Tactical Baby Gear, 
recycled firefighter. Why bags? Why did you get into selling bags? Yeah, um, I think you're right. Bags are a really popular category. And I think it's partly because they have a really personal aspect to them. I think regardless of their use case, whether it's a handbag, whether it's a, a backpack versus luggage, um, pe you know, people are carrying their prized possessions in these things and they're taking them to destinations. And, and I think that's, there's a really intrinsic um, personality to them that, that people really identify with. Um, and especially when it's linked to a specific niche that, that people are really, um, maybe it's a phase of their life, for example, like tactical baby gear. Um, and I think that's what really drives people to it. In, in, in my case, in terms of bags, it was similar, but I was actually from the, from the customer aspect, you know, I was originally looking for better bags, um, for myself as a, as an athlete, as I was traveling and, and trying to better carry all of my, my tennis equipment and whether I was going, you know, from, to another tournament in another country, or whether I was just touring around a city after, after an event or, um, coming home. Uh, you know, I needed my bag for different things. And so I originally really just started with trying to find a better way to carry all of my gear for myself. And so, all right, so you were, you were a professional athlete, right? Yes. Um, I never made it particularly high. I played on the sort of the lower levels of the, of the professional circuit. I spent my life, my, more my youth dedicating uh, myself to that sport. I, um, and I, you know, had a dream of, of, you know, playing alongside the likes of Roger Federer and, and Nadal and all those sort of well-known names and playing on the grand stages and went to Wimbledon umpteen times to see it when I was a kid. And, um, and yeah, so that was, you know, tennis was always my passion, my dream. And I ended up making it to sort of the lower levels of professional circuit and, and traveling and got to see some amazing places and from, you know, in South America in Asia and around Europe and in the States. And, um, and so I really got an amazing experience out of it, even though I never really made it my, you know, my full-time living. And so while you're, you were, you had that experience, which has to be an incredible experience. It like speaks to perseverance, speaks to self-control, you know, to be able to operate at that level. What would you say, were there any lessons from that career that live today that you use athletic uh, experience, career lessons that apply to running your business today? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I, I mean, going into... Kansha, I didn't have the business background, but tennis helped me a huge amount in terms of my experiences there and as an athlete. Um, and I think part of it was just that growth mindset, which I think so many entrepreneurs have. Um, and you, it's an acquired skill. I don't believe that it's something you're born with or anything. I think it's an acquired skill, understanding it and having that mindset to, to get that 1% better every day. And in tennis, um, you know, to begin with, especially, it's one of those sports where you just you play like crap to begin with. It's terrible. You know, it's, you know, you can't, you can't keep a rally going. You can't, you can't really make the most of the sport. It takes a lot of dedication just to get to a point where you can fully enjoy it. Um, and so that part of it is kind of, especially when you're, especially on the, on the business side of things, when you're starting a business and there's, you know, little money coming in, you're kind of scrapping to, to kind of, um, to promote the, the, the company and, and, you know, to market it similar situation where you're just trying to build, get the building blocks and you kind of have to do that in, in sport as well. And then as you grow up the ranks, suddenly it's very hard to see the 1% gains because it's just, you, you've got to such a level where they're, they're very, very small gains you're making every day, but you have to believe in that and that having that growth mindset that you're kind of building upon it every single day, even if it's a tiny, tiny block. And I like to think of it like a pyramid, you know, and I, I began to really enjoy the aspect of when I was on the tennis court and training and playing tournaments. So just putting another block on that pyramid each day. And even if it was a, a stone that day, it was, it was something. And I think that's something that I, inadvertently brought over to to business where I was suddenly you know in an unsurmountable situation where you know uh, you know I, used to, I didn't really have any experience and didn't understand how to get where I wanted to go 
But um, my, my dad always had a phrase for me because he, he actually started a business when I was young and he, it brought us to the States, actually. I lived in America for quite a few years and um, I didn't think about it at all when I was, when I was a kid. I didn't, didn't think about the fact that he was an entrepreneur or anything, didn't mean anything to me. But he used to always tell, say to me, you can, you can eat an elephant one toad at a time. And I, again, didn't really think of, any, of it at all. And now I realize how important that is, is that, is that these unsurmountable um, uh, goals, are, it's, it's all about just, just taking one step forward. And that's kind of something I took from tennis into, into entrepreneurship. So the, the bag you developed, this is specific to tennis players? It certainly started that way. Um, we've, we've expanded quite a bit since then, but definitely started with tennis. And I started with tennis simply because that was an industry I knew. I knew it so well. I spent most of my waking days on a tennis court or, or, or traveling between ones. So I, I knew what it was like traveling with tennis equipment. I knew that I could provide value there. And I knew how the tennis industry was quite antiquated in terms of still relying on you know, wholesalers, retailers, um, you, know, uh, you know, antiquated type of marketing tactics. And so I knew that there was a lot of innovation that could happen there, both in the product and also the brand side of things. But um, but since then, we've kind of branched out a bit. And tennis is still a big part of our market. We sell um, bags for tennis, but also for um, outdoors and adventure, which is quite a saturated market. I think if we started there, we would really struggled. But we can, you know, we can, we still have some, um, we have products there. And then also paddle and pickleball in the US, which is just exploding. Paddle is the version in Europe, which is Tell also really, really big. Yeah, Jeez. everyone's into it. So you had, all right, so you've got this experience as, as a professional athlete that is this childhood experience of seeing your father go through entrepreneurship. And so I said go through like it was an illness. Um, Sometimes <laughs> uh, it can wrong be. wrong phrase. But all right, so you had a tennis player. This then contributes to your understanding of needs and preferences when designing bags because you had that very real direct travel and play experience with it at the competitive level. But then on top of it, you also saw the um, the opportunity for you know advancing the industry in terms of sales. Like they were you know, they were very committed to that old school, not direct model. It seems. Yeah, and I think um, obviously even since you know uh, twenty twenty, when a lot of these brands had to make that shift, I think it's still they're still lagging behind a little bit, but. Um, I think I think where I really saw the opportunity, especially was originally when I started designing these bags, I was looking to design it myself, and I didn't know anything about textiles, didn't know anything about product design, but I started to see a wider uh, need for 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 more for people who are just trying to fit their favorite activities into their daily lifestyle. So not necessarily a full blown athlete um, or someone who travels every single every single week, but people who are just trying to make sure they can carry their laptop and their tennis rackets. They want to go and play tennis before work in the morning or or they want to go to the gym before for work, or they want to take their tennis rackets when they go for a, for a trip, where, you know, whether it's a holiday, whether it's a work trip, being able to kind of adapt for that. So I think that's where I really saw um, a lot of the, of the need there. And so, like, a tennis racket, an unusual thing in terms of size and shape, um, with, well, let's go back. When, what year, when do you start this business? Yeah, so I started, I started designing the bags on a kind of very kind of meager level in 2018. That's kind of when I decided I was going to try and do this as a side project. Um, we ended up, we, for, it was about, for about two years, I was designing the bags um, and I was go taking all the bags with me on tour, um, some of them breaking on me halfway through, sometimes bits falling off. It was not a pretty picture, but I was so trying, probably went through about 50 or 100 prototypes. Um, but 
but the, during that period, I, I met some some designers who um, who had who had worked on some really interesting projects in the past, and I started to work with them, and I made really good friends with one in particular who used to invite me to his his workshop. We had all these incredible machinery for like laser cutting fabrics and bonding them and making them waterproof and all these things that that you know that I thought I had to go to Asia to see. Um, and uh, and I started you know go working in his workshop, and we we were working on them together. And we in the end of 20, uh, 2019, we did a, a crowdfunding campaign. Um, which was, you know, moderately successful, but I actually learned learned way more from that than I did from from the sales. I think um, we understood more about like actually what people wanted, um, and actually starting to to really refine that. And obviously, then the, the pandemic hit, and we were set back a few months, uh, six eight months anyway. And I was able to kind of really kind of delve deeper into right how are we going to target this product at the right person? How are we going to make sure that um, that you know that we can that we can really build value going forward. And that's where kind of the modular design came up as well, allowing people to really personalize their bags with different accessories that you can attach to their bag. So when you made those initial prototypes before you met this product designer, how are you doing Like, did you learn to sew? How are we going? You said you went through what, a hundred prototypes? Yeah. So no, I mean, very much of that was, was in his, in his workshop. Um, and then I used to go to trade shows. Um, I went to, there's a particular trade show in Europe that's um, called ISPO. So it's a, um, it's a, it's, it's in Munich and it's an incredible trade show. It's about eight football fields in, in, uh, or soccer fields, sorry, in, in space and size. And so, and so I went there about four or five times visiting different suppliers, visiting, you know, um, for different buckles, uh, zips, fabric, all that sort of stuff to try and find the right materials. Um, and, and that's where I learned a lot. And that's where I, where I learned, uh, where I was also put in touch with, with some designers who were able to kind of start to prototype. And I started prototype with them to kind of go into their workshop and working with them and kind of trying to really fast track things. Um, but also trying to fit it within my traveling tennis schedule, which was difficult. Yeah. I would imagine that there are a lot of demands on your time there. Um, so it's, once you had a product you were satisfied with and you were using it personally, so you figured like, well, this will work. Then the move was a crowdfunding campaign. You did Indiegogo. We did do Indiegogo. Yeah. And, um, and you know, with very little budget whatsoever um, and just trying to see where, where it stuck. And, um, and we kind of learned, like I said, we learned a lot from that campaign and, and not, and not necessarily in terms of sales, but a lot in terms of, um, in terms of what customers were, how they're perceiving it, and and things like that, and and where and where the you know we could really innovate the product, um, and that's where I think I learned a lot that really bringing that bring bring the product to market as soon as possible is actually a really important thing to do if you can, even if it's on a very small scale on a very because it you learn so quickly from that, um, and I'm glad that we did that, and then we're able to kind of rebound off that and really launch with a you know much more strongly going forward than if we than if we just kind of spent all of our money on producing it before we'd even got any feedback so although although we did that throughout the design process you know one thing is getting people to try something out and one thing is getting someone to buy it and um and until you get that person in that situation where they have to you know hand some money over something that they you know that's when you really find out where the value lies and where if it's actually you know uh, meeting your expectations well what year was that campaign so that was in 2019 Okay. Um, so we were still, still, still really designing the bags, even half, even, even, I mean, we designed our, one of our main products, which was part of the, the campaign, um, uh, which was actually one of our, which one of our, we, the original design behind it was actually a, a backpack that could, that could adapt to being a tennis bag when you want it, that could adapt to being a gym bag, that being a travel bag. We kind of realized that this kind of one size fits all approach wasn't what people were looking for. What they really wanted was something that was, that they could really personalize to their lifestyle, something that they could 
They could take a base product like a tennis bag, but they could carry their laptops where they wanted to. They could carry their wet and dirty clothes or their shoes on it if they wanted to. They could carry, you know, their, you know, their, their tech travel gear. They, and then they could, but they could do something else as well. So something where, where they could really personalize this, where we realize that's where um, they really, uh, we really need to uh, pursue our efforts. Ready to double your revenue from Clavio Abandoned Flows without lifting a finger? Of course you are. And it's not magic. It's all about conversion tracking done right. It's a secret weapon for growth that many are yet to discover. Picture this. A user visits your site, signs up for a discount, adds items to the cart, and then they leave without buying. You're banking on your abandoned cart email bringing them back, right? But what if they're on iOS or Safari and their Clavio cookie expired? Your email may never reach them. And that's a missed opportunity. But that's where Elevar comes in. Elevar ensures these user sessions are stitched together so Clavio flows operate just as you'd expect. All thanks to Elevar's session enrichment and server-side tracking. The result? A 200% increase in emails sent to customers who would have otherwise slipped through the cracks. And an almost 100% increase in revenue. Don't let your potential customers become ghosts. With Elevar, start seeing these improvements from week one. It's time to take your conversion tracking to the next level. Start your free trial at getelevar.com today. Their plans start at $0 a month, and all plans include a 15-day free trial. Go to getelevar.com to get started. E-L-E-V-A-R, Elevar. And so the original bag is like one, is it attempted a one-size-fits-all bag? It's on Indiegogo. It was 143 U.S. dollars or 115 British pounds. We raised 5,400 U.S. dollars. Are that's 21 percent of the goal? Yeah. So this is this is this is where I I say that I think that it's um you know it's that's why it, you know I I looking at that campaign I I didn't I was kind of going into it cold trying to figure out how to market it. The fact that we even made that was pretty um, amazing because you know of of how little. Um, I knew about trying to try and make this 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 work, um, and but but yeah, it was originally a backpack that was kind of like a roll top. We still had really had this really cool modular design we we designed where we attached different accessories onto the bag, but I'd made the mistake of understanding what the core product needed to be, um, and that's where we kind of shifted really in terms of focusing on the tennis bag, um, which is very very different now. We've gone through several um, updates to that since since then, but um, but yeah, I think it was a uh, you know. At the time, wasn't happy, but you know, I think it was actually an amazing opportunity to to in, to to improve the product and learn from that, um, and then really, it really helped us have a lot more success going forward. Yeah, the original bag, it looks like this um, this heavy duty technical waterproof fabric. It's a roll top bag, and then it's got molly webbing, but like not in the tactical way that we normally think of. Like it looks much more integrated into the bag. Um, and they've got, uh, I forgot what they call that, but it's where you weld like a synthetic material to another, it's like an electrostatic process. RF welding. RF welding. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That like, you see that and you're like, this is, this is good stuff. Um, (laughs) and so like that bag looks good. And then when I see the final version on your site and I, we got to talk about your content at some point, because it is phenomenal on this website. Um, the, like the, the aesthetic has not changed but then the the bag becomes you know much more well, more traditional but then like still has the attachment points for its accessories and then there's a wider range of bags oh these are add-on attachment but then those are their own bags like this day bag is its own bag but then also an attachment absolutely yeah so this this is where 
the content comes into play because there's a lot of education required for me to understand how everything works. And, you know, when you've got limited attention span online, it's it's really important to get that across. But yeah, so our bags are have different kind of accessories that attach onto them. So for example, we have our core products like our racket bag, our backpack. Um, we have a paddle bag for, for pickleball as like our core products. And then we have different accessories for like a day bag, which attaches on. We have a wet dry bag for your clothes and shoes inside. We have a, a larger version of our day bag with a day bag Excel, which um, like XL, um, which uh, fits different like um, a laptop, laptop and things like that inside the like cables. And you can just wear them all independently. So if you wanted to take your rackets off when you, and when you get to work and just take your laptop bag in for work, you can do that. And vice versa. If, you take, if you're carrying, carrying both on a plane, you can attach them both together, put them up in the overhead locker. So that's kind of the idea behind it. You can attach and detach depending on what you're doing throughout the day. And what I love is those accessories are very much like just as useful independently. Like I could buy the add-on bags as the, and never buy that core bag. And it would still have you know, the same or similar utility. I think that's very, that's clever and important because then it feels less like an add-on purchase. So when that Kickstarter happened, like you'd spent a year, you're like, look, I, I'm my core customer. I live this life. I played with this product. I used it in the field the way it was intended to be used. We put it on uh, a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. You know, we had the, the pro content made and then you got to 21% of your goal. You either could have said, well, we tried our best and it didn't work out. So let's just quit here and not throw good money after bad. Or you say, wow, 27 people were willing to buy that product and it still feels unfinished to me. Let's keep going. Like how, what, what's the difference between those two mindsets? How did you not go negative with this? Yeah, I, I think, I think um, to be honest, I mean, you do hear a lot of stories about people that just go viral, like companies go viral with a product from day one. It's so rare. It's it like is actually so lotto. rare. Exactly. And I think, I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding of what it actually is like to get from, you know, uh, just even get started uh, with these things. And as actually there's a huge amount of pivots required. Um, and most of the time, it's not, it's not a, a dead certain failure. It's just a need for a pivot and, and, to, and to reassess how to get where you want to get to. Um, and, and it's, I mean, I mean, going back to my tennis days, um, they used to always tell me when I was, when I was competing like in coaches and things that, you know, every, every next tournament is every week is a new week. I mean, you, it doesn't matter if you lost, you know, the first round last week, you're in another tournament this week. So it really doesn't matter what happened last week. Cause you're, and it's, and it's, you got to have that mindset. I think, um, I think it's the same way that you, you know, you hear about a lot of, um, you know, especially on this podcast, I've heard a few times where, you know, people have tried to just throw out a Facebook ad for an idea and see if it sticks. And, and, you know, you know, it, it can work sometimes because you're may, maybe you're not going to get, you know, hundreds of thousands of sales, but just getting a few sales here and there is just, is just gold in terms of the insights it can bring you. The, well, absolutely. Yeah, it's getting it out there, getting the experience, getting it in front of people or in their hands. So it sounds like after you got the product, like you had that experience, now you, what's the next step? You said, we're going to redesign this thing? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the plan. I mean, we were going into January of 2020, kind of think, I mean, I say we, it was mostly me and, um, you know, I was speaking with our designer a bit and, um, and, and uh, I mean, I, I think we went into that thinking, right, what do we do? Um, are we going to, are we going to still, we're going to, we, we have to fulfill these orders for one thing. Um, so we, we actually do need to make it on some sort of scale. So can we, if we don't have the cash to produce it on like 500,000, 1500 units, can we try and makeshift this in the UK? Like in terms of like 
maybe maybe it's not going to work out economically but can we've actually got all the machinery and everything can we but then of course the um that in january february is obviously when things started to get go a bit um haywire in the world and it actually um you know meant that we didn't we weren't able to even f- to make these these you know these these you know 20 or uh, you know 50 bags wherever it was um so what we did is we we, we went back to the drawing board because we had no other option you know everyone was in their homes they were people you know you kind of twiddling our thumbs we thought and i thought well you know i know i can make this better i think i rushed this um let's work on what people you know let's go back to those customers let's see what they liked what they didn't like um let's go back to what um you know what what our core value proposition is and let's try and let's try and improve this and 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 the the actually the 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 core bag on on that like the the backpack that you see on that indigo campaign it is available it sells today um a, a different version of it but we have it available and actually it wasn't it just needed to be repurposed in terms of it maybe that wasn't the right bag for tennis players no it was the right bag for somebody who just wanted a good a good backpack they could take traveling so that was kind of how we we kind of got forced into doing it i guess you know, it sounds like it was a uh, necessity, but it, at the same time, you're like, this is the situation. This is the best outcome. You know, the, the way through is forward. You figured out, all right, how do we take the next step? How do we keep going? So at what point do you move to selling direct with a Shopify store? Yeah. Well, I mean, I like, like a lot of um, beginning entrepreneurs, I started on, I believe it was WooCommerce um, and just started getting increasingly Ew. frustrated with <laughs> <laughs> with how with how how much you know just to maintain it how much uh, input it required um you know you you it, i always felt like um you know if you, you 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 turn something on it turns something else off you you change something it affects something else like there's just like everything's like so interconnected mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. can't you can't you're just fearing touching anything for for the whole thing just to fall down and collapse so um you know, uh, what, what we you know we were for bef- before we discovered shopify we were doing wordpress we were wordpress developers and so I empathize with that experience, and that is where we we coined the term um, uh, Jenga Tower website. Like the Jenga Tower website, careful what you remove or mess with, because that whole thing's gonna come down. Yeah, perfect description, perfect description of of what it is. And I think you know who knows, maybe it's got a little bit better today. But I think there's there's the amazing thing. I think when I when I used Shopify was um, not only was there as an opportunity for me as an entrepreneur to learn and not break everything, um, which was really important. Um, but also there's this amazing community behind it all. And, and, and I, there was everyone helping everyone and they just, what didn't exist, anything else like that. Um, even to nowadays, I mean, it's just incredible. I was, um, you know, the, I was, I was at an event last, uh, two weeks ago, shop talk Europe. Um, and, um, and I was chatting with the Shopify guys and they just, there's people just come up to them and they just know each other. They just, they just, there's just a good community vibe going on around them. Um, and I think that's what really pulled me into it. Um, and then of course, you know, being able to start to learn. And that was, you know, all this has been a massive learning process for me um, as an entrepreneur. And I think it gave me that opportunity and also not just that to scale it and not just to, to learn and go somewhere else, but actually have something I could learn on and then really explore different avenues for for, for expressing for expressing cancer. And so once you got this, the Shopify site up and the product line is evolving and developing, how do you get the word out? Like that's always... The product development is very difficult, but then getting anyone to care about it is seemingly just as difficult. Yeah, it's 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 extremely difficult, and um, I think you know there isn't there isn't one way of doing it. I definitely think that's the case, and I think you know you hear about um, you know some amazing entrepreneurs that have had a really good following to begin with, and you hear about you know others that have done just just done just scored it so well with Facebook ads. 
in our situation, it's literally just been a bit of everything. I mean, I think, and I think, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think sometimes you get told, you know, you can focus on one channel. I think that's, that is true to an extent, but when you've got a limited budget, when you're trying to, you know, figure things out, you do have to try a little bit of everything. You do have to start to get involved with, um, you know, I mean, one, one lucky thing with the tennis space is that I had contacts there and I, and I knew people in the, you know, in the U S who were running, um, you know, who had, you know, blogs and review sites for tennis and all that sort of stuff. So that helped. And certainly in, in oh, getting, yeah, you're already plugged into this different and bigger community that is your audience. Yeah. And so that was great. And then I think in terms of our story that resonating with tennis players was a really, really important part as well. Um, and so people were able to bear with our sort of our learning process because of the fact that they really identified what we were doing and, and the story behind the brand. And I think it was unique and different. So that helped certainly. But, um, but yeah, I think scaling things has been, you know, it's been a bit of, um, leaning on, 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 on the audience that, that I, that I know and that I, I, I'm sort of connected with, but also, you know, just same way, trying to figure out how to, how to run a Facebook ads profitably and how to, um, how to create good content, um, whether that's written, whether that's, you know, through, through social media, it's been a little bit of everything and just trying to push forward with it all, I think. The, all right, so there's no one channel, but when you combine everything and you have your story and you have this product, and it, that is what resonates with people, helps keep you top of mind. It's very traditional marketing in which it's like, all right, once we have that, we've identified the pain, we have our solution, and you know, we've got this narrative and a spokesperson. You're the perfect spokesperson for this. And then you combine that with like, all right, can we... In, stay top of mind with people can we increase frequency and that's the advantage to having you know those those many channels and it also i think it it takes a lot of the risk out of the equation right one channel say facebook could fall on its face one year but then the others oh good thing you had those available to you right you don't want to be solely reliant on this single point of failure um with are so are you the face of the brand or are you like you're your own influencer here <laughs> In in some ways, I mean, I haven't got a massive following in the sense that I I was maybe a little bit late to that because I you know when I was traveling on the tour, even then social media was you know there were influencers, but it wasn't like nowadays where you know I feel like if I just recorded everything, I would have you know would have gained some sort of following. But you know back you then it was still. You could have been big on the gram back then. Yeah, yeah, I could have I, with all the all the photos. Yeah, I guess I could have. Um, but I think that so in the sense that um, as the touch the main touch point for the brand. Um, I, I mean, I have customers who, who DM me on Instagram all the time. Um, they'll send me pictures of where they're, where they're going. A lot of them want to talk to me about where their kids are playing tennis, where they're, where they're, where the next tournament they're in and, um, want to talk to me about, um, you know, ideas for, for product. And I, I accept that with open arms. I'm so engaged with all of them because, because I, I really think that relationship building is such a key part of, uh, of, of the whole equation. And I think it, it, it helps everything. Because I think we've got a very good, um, re you know, uh, referral rate. You know, our bags are quite durable, meant to last. So, um, you know, although there's accessories and things people buy for their bags, people aren't necessarily buying unless they're buying for a friend or something. The, re the returning customer rate is not incredible. It's not like a consumable product, but our referral rate is very good. And I put that down to well, the product and then our ability to build relationships with customers and understand them, empathize with them, um, stay, stay stay communicative with them, um, answer, you know, effectively and, and, and respond to them in a, in a way that, that is, that is caring. And I think whether it's, just, whether it's a product problem with the product, whether it's their mate, they're amazed with the product, whether it's, 
you know, just ideas. Um, and I also think that it, by incorporating them in the design process, you know, taking on their feedback, it just gets them so more involved with the brand in general and willing to promote it because they feel like they've had a part of it. Want to compete with billion dollar brands and win? Download One Click Upsell today and give your small business a big advantage. Zipify One Click Upsell is an upsell app for Shopify that can add 10 to 15% more revenue to your store overnight with AI powered upsells and cross sells. That's 10 to 15% more top line revenue that you can use to buy more ads, buy more customers, and scale your business even in the most competitive marketplace. One Click Upsell, aka Zipify OCU, was created by the founder of a $175 million Shopify store and it's trusted by over 13,000 merchants. And with a sky-high average conversion rate of 16%, it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra 500 million in additional upsell revenue. It only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue today, as in right now. Go to zipify.com slash Kurt and start your 30-day free trial. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y, dot com slash k-u-r-t and to get an unadvertised gift email help at zipify.com and ask for the tech nasty bonus tech nasty so the the outcome the payoff is word of mouth referrals and customer loyalty even though a well-made bag will last years you know my my everyday bag i have owned at this point 10 to 15 years. The company I bought it from has gone out of business, but this bag is going to keep, another, for sure this thing's going another 10 years, but I think I'm, don't, no, no luck on getting my warranty claims filled here. Um, it's, so you, like repeat purchases are tough. I'm sure you get people, if you like bring out new lines, new accessories, I'm sure you get you know, some return customer right there. But for the most part, those word of mouth referrals where you didn't have to pay to acquire the customer, right? That's a big deal. That's like that top of funnel and those people just get dropped into middle of funnel. So that's how we're measuring success probably is like post-purchase survey. Hey, you know, how'd you hear about us? Word of mouth. How are you, and you said it's important, you know, we've got, we want to build these customer relationships. We want to build a sense of community and we want um, customer feedback. In practice, like tactically, what does that look like? Customer surveys, DMs, how are we doing it? Yeah, I think, um, so, to one, well, one other part of the equation is events, which is really part of the relationship building as well. And so we do, um, especially since, you know, that's been possible in the last couple of years, we've done events, um, especially in the US where 65% of our customers are. Um, and we we go to tennis events, especially, but we've started to get into other sports events and pickleball and paddle in Europe and things like that. Um, and, you know, we, we get, and we've actually, this, this year, we've got a pop-up shop during Wimbledon in London next month. So we, well, that's a big event, deal, isn't it? Yeah, stressful, but it's, hopefully it'll be good. Um, but yeah, that, that event side of things is so important because sometimes we, you know, we break even on it or, um, you know, maybe even make a loss. But it's just incredible how many people come, you know, especially on post-purchase surveys, like you mentioned, come back and say, no, we heard about you from 12 months ago when you were at that event or six months ago or last month when I saw you there. And not only that, it's like, um, it's people are amazed that I'm there. They, they can't believe it. They're like, oh, I was, it's you. And, and I, I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm here with the rest of us. And, and, and they love that. They want to chat to me. They want to ask me about tennis. They want to ask me about the bags. They have some ideas for improvements. 
it's just in, it's just an amazing way to build relationships. But face to face is amazing. The only problem is obviously it's 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 not necessarily it's as scalable, but it's not quite as scalable as, as other as other opportunities. So we, we look at other ways as well in terms of on site, um, in in terms of getting people involved with community community like uh, online communities. Um, we actually have a really cool um, integration where people can see other cancer bag wearers on the map around the world. So they can actually meet up with other cancer bag owners and play tennis or or meet up and, and go up a mountain if they want to and you know do some fun activities. So there's no replacement for that that face to face engagement. I have have talked to many people and many will have got their initial customers got their business off the ground by going to events. I've yet to meet a person who's done in-person selling at an event and then said, "Hey, what a waste of time. I shouldn't have done that." Everybody, even uh it, Hoonigan, who's been around this huge company, has been around over 10 years now. They uh, I talked to them yesterday and they're like, oh, yeah, over the weekend we went to this event and they could not say enough good things about selling in person at an event, a thing that they regularly do now. So, you know, it really does not matter what size you are, where you are, that in person selling, at the very least, you engage with a whole bunch of people and get feedback. And I think in most cases, it turns into sales and referrals in, you know, a way that social media, because it's so fleeting and it's such a um, a light touch engagement, right? Like I saw two and a half seconds of a TikTok video before I swiped on the couch while also watching two other screens and wearing my Apple Vision Pro heads. Like it, it's crazy. And so that you can't, you can't do better than that in-person engagement. So are there any, like what's... um a specific change to the product where someone's like, Hey, you know, it'd be really cool. And then you're like, you know what? That absolute, we're doing that. That is such a good idea. I'm an idiot for not thinking of it sooner. <laughs> oh, that happens all the time. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I think first of all, I think perfection is, is, is always the goal, but you're never going to get that. And, and the other side of it is that you're not going to please everyone. Uh, some people want, uh, you know, a $200 bag for $20 and it's going to be tough to provide that. But, you know, those who are really engaged and actually say, you know what, I like what you're doing, but here's, here's what I think, you know, this is what I need. We, we've had, we've had customers say, you know what, I really want an attachment that's a cooler. I, you know, I, I live in Florida. It's really hot. A water bottle holder doesn't cut it. I want to keep my drinks cold, but I don't always, you know, I just want it in the summer. So I want to have an attachment for when I'm in, it's hot and I want to keep my drinks, my, you know, snacks cool and everything. I, you know, that's an amazing idea. Um, you know, some, some people just want like a certain pocket somewhere. Some, someone said to me the other day, you know, what, I travel a lot and I want to have I want to have my um, the pockets RFID protected because I'm I'm traveling places where I don't want someone scanning the back when it's on my back um, things like that. Sometimes they think they're quite niche ideas. Sometimes they're quite broad appeal ideas. Um, I think it's important to accept all of them and see right. Well, how can we? What's the timeline for this? How can we bring this in? How many people are asking for this? And and you know do priority order like that. How do you how do you weed out the good one? Or yeah, how do you get to the good ones and throw out the bad ones? Like there are a lot of different ideas in there, and I'm like. Those RFID blocking, you know, I personally don't care, but I could see the importance of it. Um, the, uh, for sure, Florida's very hot. If someone said to me, look, I need a cooler because Florida, uh, look, I've been, I get it. How do you know which is the one and, you know, which is just like you're going to end up building uh, the Homer car from The Simpsons? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a tough one. And and also, um, even when we bring out a single product that we're pretty sure that everybody wants, some people want it a different way than others. And so 
you know, we were designing an organizer for one of our bigger tennis bags that you can organize everything inside that can be taken out, taken in. You can hang it, hang it on a on a wardrobe uh, and when you get to a hotel and take it out, put it back inside, you know, that sort of thing. And then we have very different camps on how, how customers want it done. Some people want it to be very simple. Others want it to be complicated. It is difficult. Um, I think it starts with, you know, what's, how does that resonate with what we're trying to do as a, as a brand? How we, how does it help people travel better? How does it help people carry their equipment better? If it fulfills that initial purpose, then, then it's, then, then we've got the green light to think about it more and see about how we can incorporate ideas without, you know, without, you know, the, there's a, there's a saying, um, you know, that a camel is an animal designed by a committee because, because, you know, when everyone's ideas come into it, it ends up just being some sort of kind of mess. And so it's very, it is hard, it is difficult. Um, and I think it's, 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 it's kind of cross examining ideas, you know, from different places, whether it's on a post-purchase surveys, whether it's on a survey, we send out to customers, whether it's speaking in person and we get even just like emails we get from customers you start to get an idea about what the majority want and how, and maybe there are some similarities between certain ideas. So it's demand. Like, is there frequency to this? How many people are asking for this? And, you know, what's practical? But then, you know, also just trusting your own vision as a product designer with that experience. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a big part of it. And then I think also the more that customers are involved with it, even if not all of their ideas make it through. Just the involvement is is such an important part because they feel intrinsically attached to the brands and to the product you've created. So I think it's 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 a win win overall. On I want to talk about your website a little bit before we go. Uh, Contrabags.com. It is such a cool site. It does a lot with like short form video, um, and it's got some really neat features that I wanted to call out. Like on the homepage, there's a bestsellers carousel. That's just got like a, the feature is whatever product you're looking at flips to like a quick action shot, you know, that's like four to eight seconds long of someone using the bag in slow-mo. You could put, you could put me eating a cheeseburger in slow-mo and it would look bad ass. And so like just showing slow-mo, I mean, it's, it's just people wearing a backpack and walking in a park. All right. That would normally be boring. Slow-mo on a website is your product featured product image. So this is awesome. And then in the the bottom left, there's uh, a talking head video of you that's like, it's powered by Tolstoy. Hold on, check this out. Hey, I'm Jack. I'm a former professional tennis player and the founder of Kansha. And so like you click this thing and it start you start talking and then it's got a quiz on it and I could jump between videos. What is this thing? It's cool. Yeah, um, we've been with Tolstoy a long time. They're, they we. We partnered with them on different things as well because we we understood that we really need to find it a really engaging way to to educate our customers on our products, get across the key benefits as quickly as possible. And there's no there's no no way like video to do that, but also to build relationships with them. And there's no way of doing that other online other other than literally seeing someone's face and seeing how you know what it means to them to the, this this brand this product and and having that relationship. And this is as close as we can get to it. Um, although we're looking at other ways in terms of you know there's all this sort of um, stuff behind live shopping and things like that, but but I think that, that that's a really good way of doing it. The video helps us get across everything in a short period of time. It um, it really you know distills the benefits of what we're doing. It has quite a unique aspect to it. And it also has the personalized with the quiz, like you said. We can navigate customers to the right thing based on asking them the right questions and, and, and in a personalized manner. And you said, hey, we got to ask our customers the right questions and in a personalized manner. There's also a quiz on the site. Upper right corner in the header, bag finder quiz. I click that and then it's like, hey, what are you using this bag for? 
And I said, adventure. I, clearly, I am an adventurer. And so I, then it asked me, I love this, what's it need to fit? Oh, well, I have camera and laptop would be nice. What's your gender? Male, female, prefer not to say. And let's see my age. Well, and then I have to enter my email or skip. We have the perfect, the ascendant is the bag. Okay, so I'm going to click ascendant. The ascendant pack, the ultimate adventure bag. And then there's more short form video. On the product form, it says, see how others are using it. And it's like, oh, I want to see how Elena is using it. And I click that. And there she is in Spain, like walking around using this. That's very cool. What, uh, all right, who, who powers the quiz? And then this like, see how others wear it. How are we doing that? That is also the, the see, Tolstoy's gonna love this. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I've never heard of this the, before. I swear to God, there's not like, <laughs> it's not SponCon. This is all, all natural. Yeah, um, that's also Tolstoy for the, for the, for the, for the, for the short sort of story videos we have next to the product. Um, we one we sort of trialed that to begin with, and we just saw like a massive uplift in people engaging with the product, purchasing the product because they could really they could suddenly see it actually. How, this is how it's, I'm going to use it. This is how this person's using it in this scenario. This is how this person's using it in this scenario. This is what they're when they're opening it up. This is the different accessories they're using. That's been a major part of it. Um, and then the quiz is um, is a different um, jebit, I think, is the quiz. Um, so that is different from Octane and that's because it gives us a bit more personalization versus I think Octane is used by, I think it's what Octane is used by, by the quizzes. But there's a lot of different quiz. I mean, it doesn't really matter what you use. There's a lot of different quizzes out there, but that works really well. And we, we purposely make it so you can skip it if you don't put your email in because, um, you know, it's it's not about unsolicited emails. We're not trying to get people's email. We, we, you know, we, we want to find out more about what they like, what they what they do and try and give them the perfect bag. That's, that's priority one. If they want to sign up for our, you know, for our email list and we can then, personalize our emails showing them what they're pick we can actually show them the, that exact product in their emails that they were they got you know as a result of their quiz and we can show that to them we can show different accessories that are recommended to them as a result of that in the email that's amazing but i think the, the main priority is just let's help you find this sooner let's not waste your time here it's it's really clear the quiz is always clever to reduce that choice paralysis especially you know your case it is several similar high dollar products. You know, I mean, I could spend 200 bucks here easily. And so I need to think about it. It can't be an impulse purchase. And then when they're similar, it makes it tougher because I'm like, all right, I know I like these bags. I like the style. I like what we're doing here, which is right for me. And that could, you can ha create a scenario of uh, paralysis analysis where the person says, I want to buy help. And they're not going to like call you up. They're probably not even, you, they're just going to leave. You're not going to hear from them again. And so having these, that tool and having that social proof, hugely powerful. You are technically sophisticated in your marketing. Your product is technically sophisticated and how you developed it. We, we heard about RF welding. How cool is that? Um, and I, I'm really impressed. Man. How old are you? I'm 27. 27? Oh, man. I'm 40. I've not done anything this cool. That's not true. I've I've seen some amazing sites that you've 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 built, and that I'm I'm always really impressed. And I've I've been such a long listener of this podcast, and I've just been it's been amazing. I think I think it's the definition of 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 really providing um you know, value to your audience and really caring about what your audience needs. And and I think it's just such a good role model for all, all the entrepreneurs listening to this podcast because that that is exactly the model they need to follow. I need to follow is is really stemming it down to okay. Let me focus on what they, what people actually want and need, and how can I provide that? You, uh, you made my morning. That is fantastic.
Wow, that's really good. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Jack. This has been an honor, a pleasure. Uh, where where can we go to learn more about you? Oh, and I see in my notes here, I believe you have a coupon code for us. Yes, we do. Um, it's I believe it's um, Take Nasty fifteen. So if you if you yeah you can you can oh, it's on cantribags.com. It's on anything. We'll keep keep that going uh, forever. So you can you can always um, get get a discount there. Feel free to to reach out to me um, on on LinkedIn, um, Jack Oswald, or on on Twitter. Um, I think Twitter will be in the show notes. But um, but yeah, I'm always I'm always interested to meet. You know, I'm not meeting new people who are who are doing some really cool things with their with their companies and they share ideas, find different ways to to grow. And um, it's yeah, I'm really excited to meet meet people from this. Jack Oswald, Contrabags, thank you so much. Remember, my friends, it is not just about creating great products. That's what we learned here. You need more than that. You have to connect with your customers as well to keep things going and get that delicious, delicious word of mouth referral purchases. Thanks for tuning into the unofficial Shopify podcast. We bring you stories that inspire and ignite your entrepreneurial spirit. And until next time, keep selling. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. You want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases. How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.